everyone. Welcome to the Booze and Boobs podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Katrina. Thanks for joining us today as we talk about some of our favorite horror movies. We created this podcast as a way to give women more of a voice in horror. Men dominate most industries, especially film and television. And that also goes for podcasts. We'll focus on female characters, motivations, or just expectations placed on women in horror, even if the situation is happening to a man. We're excited you're here, and we hope you love it. Now let's get to today's movie. Alrighty, so today's episode we are talking about Incident in a ghost land and if you can tell by the sound of my voice i'm not that excited about it and it's all katrina's fault and i love that for me anything i can do to make rachel do something she doesn't want to do i'm all for it well you're doing it i think that there's a lot to talk about with this movie it's just not a great movie and even when i was summarizing everything i feel like really like the bones of it are better than what i saw on screen to me i get it i just wasn't invested i just i i just couldn't connect with it and it feels like it was just i was really happy it was only 90 minutes because i was like let's get this show on the road or as katrina said um when we were gonna start recording about this she's like you ready to get this garbage truck on fire on the road? Yeah, and that's just an overall reference to us as people, the podcast, and this movie. <laughs> so, um, we, uh, well, <laughs> neither of us, like, love this movie, um, but I think that there are a lot of good talking points for it, and one thing we kind of talked about was adjusting the format a little and i guess i'll decide next time we record if this format is going to be more beneficial for us as podcasters or if i just want to limit as much time talking about this movie as possible i i liked it the first time i watched it and then after watching it a few other times, it I think the holes in the plot and everything just became a little bit more clear. It definitely, my liking dwindled over time. But I think the twist is great. I think maybe they started with the twist and just wrote around it from there. I'm really not sure what happened. But <laughs> I say let's just get into it. We'll insert our talking points here throughout and let's get her started. I don't have any faith in us that we aren't going to ramble, but maybe we won't ramble as much. And if you're listening to this, like you chose it, so I take no responsibility on how satisfied you are or not. If I was a betting man, I would bet on us to ramble at some point. Um, So today's movie, Incident in the Ghostland 2018, directed and written by Pascal Logier. The main actors are Crystal Reed, who is adult Beth, Mylene Farmer, who is Pauline, Anastasia Phillips, adult Vera, Amelia Jones, young Beth, and Taylor Hickson, young Vera. So our movie opens up with a typewriter that has a praise review for H.P. Lovecraft, um, which 
should have been everybody's notice that uh, the choices were made. Because as far as I'm aware, everybody's aware that H.P. Lovecraft was um, not a great person. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yep. I agree. So we start off um, young Beth, young Vera and Pauline, their mother is in the car. Beth is reading her horror story out loud. And Vera obviously has a different opinion. And she thinks that Beth is weird and that the mom, Pauline, should not be encouraging her to be weird because, you know, maybe it's something where she's like, I don't want my sister be- to be bullied because Vera definitely seems like the cool girl type. Mm-hmm. As they're driving, a candy truck speeds up, honks at them, passes them on the road and is like waving, definitely giving Jeepers Creepers vibes. And... They're kind of hidden in the shadows. They wave to the family. The family waves back and then Vera flips him the bird, which as she should. Why are you being weird? Well, I regretfully did a lot of research and I wouldn't say that like I don't research the movies that we do discuss. I mean, I don't go like crazy into them, but I look up some other things. Like I just want to see other people's points of view and stuff like that. But this really felt like work because I don't like this movie. Um, and there, there was one, um, one guy who said something about like, it's very obvious that the, the people who are in the candy truck are like fucking creepers. Like it, yes, they are. And somebody was like, maybe if Vera didn't flip them the bird, then maybe they wouldn't have been like targets for them. So that sounds like, that sounds like victim blaming right there necessarily call it victim blaming but i would say maybe it didn't help her case no and you'll see later in the movie that the candy truck woman does flip her off back so i think it put them on the radar yeah obviously they were on the hunt anyway would they have been chosen who knows obviously they sped up looked at their cars saw who was inside probably had already decided at that point yeah you're probably right so the next scene is we're at a gas station and um beth goes inside talks to a gas station attendant and she sees a newspaper and the article says something like the family killers have struck for the fifth time um they break into houses they kill the parents that are there and keep and torture the children in the basement mm-hmm. so you know that seems like a lot of fun but you know it was in the script so that's what they did vera comes inside and is like what are you reading and Beth's like you wouldn't like it and um <laughs> then beth says something which so for the most part beth hasn't been that mean to vera mostly it's been vera being mean to beth but she says like she summarizes the article and says that like these killers go after girls about your age. So it just, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't nice, but if the series of events that happened in the movie didn't happen, then it would have just been sisters being bitchy to each other. And I support yeah. that as somebody it's who valid. doesn't have a sister. <laughs> it's valid. As a, somebody's sister, I support it. How's that? Yeah. As having sisters, honestly, she could have been a lot meaner and it still would have been fine. Uh, (laughs) Uh, and then i will i will just make a mention that even though the candy truck passed them 
when they were driving on the road, like I was like, you know, like in the evening ish time, it was still light ish outside um, where it's dark now at the gas station. The candy truck has pulled into the gas station parking lot. Mm -hmm. So that was just one thing for me. I'm like, were they just like hiding and waiting for these people to come out? Or like, how, how did you follow from in front? Yeah. They, yeah, maybe they pulled over and then followed from a distance. Who knows? Not me. They're, they're creepy. Um, so after they leave the gas station, we arrive to Aunt Clarice's creepy country doll infested house. Um, which Vera refers to it as Rob Zombie's house. Uh, And once they enter, everything is dusty. This aunt is eclectic. Everybody knows that she's a crazy aunt, which hopefully I don't end up being, but who knows (laughs) where life will lead me. (laughs) Yeah, the whole point of... Like this thing, um, Beth had mentioned to the gas station attendant that like their aunt had died, so they were gonna go live in her house or whatever, have a fresh start or something like that. And um, I would say anytime someone wants to have a fresh start by moving to a house out in the middle of nowhere, they should not do that. I'm staring at Katrina <laughs> because now I have been to her house and it's her house is very nice, and I had a, a lovely time spending a few days with you. But um, can you move to civilization, please? Give me like four years. <laughs> okay, I will put it in the calendar. Okay. Um. So they're unpacking, fighting over bedrooms, as sisters do. And Beth comes across a mirror puzzle box that when she figures it out and opens it, a scary like cuckoo clock doll. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it, honestly. No, that's perfect. <laughs> Literally. Uh. And it scares the girls, and that doll will definitely come into play later in this movie. We see that Beth starts her period. She's very upset. She's crying. Vera's annoyed and just walks away. And I just want to say that the mother in this said, she's like you now, which is the creepiest way to say that she started her period I've ever heard. Like... Yeah, and no, we don't you. know we don't know exactly how old these girls are. Like, I mean, if Beth is getting her first period, judging by her reaction, like I would put her the latest at 13. I mean, I started when I was 12, which wasn't fun. I mean first period where I was wearing khakis. That was cool. I loved that. I don't I don't know. I, I was I was thinking 13. I don't remember exactly, but I know like in fifth it was like sixth grade when I started my period, but like fifth grade, they had that whole video about your body's changing and they gave us all like little packets of pads and stuff and like feminine products. And I, they were like, it can start any day. So I, for the next like four, five days, I was wearing a pad every day. <laughs> my period came. And oh my God. So and then I was like, yeah, this is not realistic so basically what we're saying is we're not going to talk about this movie we're just going to talk about the horrors of the american education system for all of this <laughs> it's insane yeah so anyway i would i would put beth at 13 vera maybe at 15 just to yeah just to put it like like they're young they're young they're somewhat close in age but not too close but vera talking to their mother tells her that beth needs a reality check because she found some fantasy of where beth wrote an interview 
uh, of somebody praising her for being an amazing writer. Uh, which, I mean, that's fine. She's, what's the word? Delusional? No. Oh, uh, that's me. Manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> no. She's manifesting her future here, okay? It's fine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so as I'll, I mean, I'll just put it in there. So, I mean, Beth's a writer. I'm a writer. Go buy my book, link in bio. Um, then, yeah, I mean, like, when you're a writer, it does, like, consume you. Everything you're thinking is inspiration or something, like, you can pull from or that you're imagining. So, I mean, delusional is not always an insult, you guys. Delulu, as the kids say. Good use of the word delulu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it's obvious that Pauline coddles Beth because she's kind of the weird kid, creative type, and just tells Vera, you know, it's fine. And as the mom walks away, we see Vera's mad about it, and she like does the silent cussing and flipping off as her mom leaves <laughs> and it's very real oh yeah i mean yes if your parents are not in the room you can just think everything absolutely behind vera we see the candy truck lights appear and also disappear so now we know that they have arrived yeah and that's that's why i like was fine to like start talking about them like right away because we're only like five ten minutes into this movie and the action it just starts immediately like when i watched this for the first time with katrina i was like what are they gonna do for the rest of the movie if this crazy action is happening right now it's like to a man leave it to a man to not have any foreplay (laughs) i was gonna say it's like if the strangers just skip to the end but yours was better that was pretty good (laughs) thank you so Vera, um, after she's had her little hissy fit, which isn't entirely unfounded, like she's valid for, you know, being upset. Her mom definitely does dismiss her. Like there's very clearly a favorite. And Vera finally comes inside, but she leaves the front door open. And then she just stalks upstairs and she's standing with Beth. And we see the mom is downstairs and she's kind of like messing with her phone trying to get signal and she's just very focused on it and out of fucking nowhere the character who is titled fat man so i'm using that like scientifically fat man charges the mom full speed like comes out of nowhere like we can barely see like where it started from because by the time you see him he's attacking her like shoves her against the wall this girl sails into the wall into like the photo frames that were still on the wall and then just slumps to the floor and honestly i would have been done right there because this dude could have been like a linebacker for any nfl team period (laughs) he looks like he ate five linebackers like he's exactly huge absolutely massive um after he knocks the mom out he captures the girl and is like dragging them by the hair down to the basement and in passing we see the candy truck woman flip vera off which is kind of where people are probably like oh she brought it on herself a little bit not true takes him to the basement he picks up beth like by her ankle very easily sniffs her realizes that she's has her period is disgusted and then decides vera is the alternative option and goes to abuse and rape her in the other room yeah, we don't the- see it, but we're not stupid. 
yeah the the remainder of this movie will verify that for us um during that beth tries to escape but the candy truck woman is in the kitchen which is where the door to the basement enters and she stops her and mentions that they just want to play with dolls which is kind of where we're getting the in my opinion is the objectification of women because these people are seeing these girls as dolls not full human beings yeah and that's just something that i'm like listen we just met these girls and we just met these people and we're already like doing a lot yeah there's a lot going on um i will take this moment to mention that the character titled candy truck woman is very obviously like a man's body like deep manly gruff voice not like like just very obviously male not like woman with a deep voice like i think i have a deep voice for a woman but like this is a man and it's never touched on mentioned anything like that if this character is necessarily trans so i'll leave like the talking points and stuff to that later but just to kind of paint the picture that this that these two assailants i i would Put them especially leaning with like the candy truck mode of transportation, like quote unquote freaks, mm-hmm. which will we can kind of go into more. Like, I think I'd rather have like a, a conversation that like focuses on that, but right now we're just summarizing. But just to like paint it in the, the picture, like that it's it is odd. It's not like when you encounter somebody who is trans, and my mind is really just like, okay, and then it just like keeps going, like it's meant to be very unsettling. Yeah. And I think that's the part that is problematic is like, they're using that as something to unsettle people, not as like a backstory or a storyline. There's nothing to it. They just did it. I agree. And and I definitely want to leave like a block of time to like go into that. Cause I do have like some thoughts and comparisons about stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that we can just, Keep going and yeah. uh, oh, seven thirty one on seven thirty one. Boom, gotcha. I'll let you have it since I had five fifty five. Yeah, that's and that's not going in the episode. So no. So Pauline appears in the kitchen and starts fighting with the candy truck woman, and is yelling at Beth to get away. Basically, like get the heck out of here. Yeah, we we see some of the fight. Beth is kind of like frozen in the stairwell. And we hear, like, banging and smashing and fighting. And then then we don't really hear anything. And then we see the candy truck woman kind of coming back. But then Polly and the mom appears again and kills the candy truck woman. And uh-huh. she runs down to the basement when she hears Vera screaming. And Beth sees her mom, like, what did you say? Like, a spider monkey attack, like, jumping on Fat yeah. Man. Yeah, like, insane, just stabbing him and killing him basically and then the candy truck woman comes down and then she stabs the candy truck woman in the throat and at that point beth wakes up she wakes up much older in a very nice bedroom she falls out of bed and is very confused so yeah like she's like full-blown nightmare so we've seen all of this as what we would assume as a flashback basically so after she wakes up she's comforted by her husband and we see a shelf of all of these horror novels that she's written 
She has a talk show interview to talk about her newest novel, which she wrote, Instant in a Ghost Land. Um, and when questioned about it, she's like, it's not autobiographical. It just wrote it to keep from going insane. I'm like, that sounds like something Rachel would say. Hey. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I will I will give the character credit. And I was thinking about this in general. So, like... Obviously, this is a movie, which is a creation that was written as a script. And I feel like it's very common for movies to be about like writers or other creative individuals because like that is our world. And in the the interview that happens, like it's it's mentioned like, yeah, like it's not like completely autobiographical, but that it is referencing trauma that happened to Beth as a child. So are we're like you know she's writing about the scenes that we saw in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and like the whole like to keep from going insane like it's funny but like it's true like i mean at least for me i love writing and i love being able to tell stories and even with the podcast being able to do that so like i'm i'm very lucky to have these outlets and things like that but i mean especially for people who have trauma like that like it's it's one of the best ways to kind of like face something and work through Uh so i definitely commend her for that um yeah but then therapy therapy is expensive therapy is expensive and google docs is free (laughs) um so then we go to um beth and her husband are at home watching the interview with what we assume is their sleeping child on the couch with him and this kid's all dressed up like in a little clown costume he looks it, it's very yeah. odd like when you see the it kid, like what? yeah and the kid is named harlequin who does that yeah beth is like i'm going to take harlequin to bed and and, and that's this is one thing like i'll kind of kind of give the movie credit for like all of these odd and unsettling things are odd and unsettling so mm-hmm. it's fair i guess well and i think they the one thing that they do well in this movie is that they revisit it later so that it is full circle yes for a lot of these odd details in this story that's being told so during the interview um after like it's still going on when beth says that she's going to take harlequin to bed the phone rings she goes to answer it and it's her sister on the phone who's like crying and screaming begging for beth to come home and i have an issue with it's (laughs) we're led through the rest of this movie like beth is gonna go home but it's like it's immediate that she goes home she's like that one phone call my sister's being crazy i gotta go and like you kind of want to be like, yeah, it's my family. I'll do anything for my family. But for the sake of the movie, and I will touch on this later, I'm like, girl, you went home too fast. <laughs> yeah, you need at least two crazy phone calls. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she didn't get a response from her mother like that day. And she's like, oh, gotta go. Yeah. So I, I could see that. Beth gets dropped off at the end of a very long driveway, which I have an issue with. Like, drive her to the house, first of all. And she walks down the driveway um her mother greet her greets her and she looks the same she has not changed she has not really aged and the house is basically similar to the same as it was before um 
we learn that Vera locks herself in the basement and is severely mentally ill, has a lot of issues, and is beaten. Yeah, we'll she's see not, Yeah, yeah she's and gonna, Beth says something like, Mom, like, why do you lock her in the basement? And the mom is kind of nonchalant about it. And she's like, she locks herself up, dear. And... Yeah. Mm. but Which, we'll see like Vera like Vera can't come out like she's not like trapped or locked in there like she does come out I mean when she comes out it's kind of more jump scary and unsettling is probably the word of the podcast but it's it's just like a very weird situation yeah and something I noticed is that the mother is kind of trying to be like a distraction and diffusing certain situations and odd things by just being like oh it's nothing come have a drink you know come cuddle like the mother in this situation is basically trying to keep her where she's at yeah like not dealing with anything right not deep diving into what's actually happening um so she sees a lot of strange things her mother is kind of i don't know she just like a water off a duck's back um and we see like a charcuterie of like candy marshmallows mints licorice and she's drinking beer and stuff and it's like that's a really weird assortment to put out um but throughout we see vera has like really severe injuries and is like very frazzled crazy all the time screaming saying that they do this to me and is begging for beth to come back but i'm like beth's there what do you mean um but Pauline just tries to get Beth to like let it go. You can't do anything, which is like maybe that's just how she she's just reinforcing how she feels. Like I can't do anything, so there's really nothing that I should try to do. Man, to, what's like, it like to live without anxiety for like five minutes of your life? <laughs> I like that's one of the things it frustrates me so much. It's like, oh, can you control the situation? No, then don't worry about it. And I'm like, that's why I'm worrying about it. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty sure someone told me that yesterday and I was like, you shut up because if I have control over it, then I'm not worried because then I can make a difference. I can control that. If I have no control, then I am concerned because I can't do anything about it. It's going to happen to me. I don't want things to happen to me. I want to do the things. Yeah, I, maybe, I totally get maybe that. Maybe it's just being an earth sign. That's what I'm going to blame it on. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'm also an earth sign and I will say I am mentally ill. <laughs> but um, but that's just me. So Actually, it's not just I, me. There's lots of us out there and we should not be afraid or feel ashamed to speak on it. So there you go. Back to the podcast. Where, <laughs> your scheduled programming. Um, So this is where we see Beth is like chained up to a bed upstairs and is dressed as a doll and it's like she didn't do that to herself because both her hands are restrained and then beth is locked out of the room by some unseen force and we're at this point i was very confused in the movie the first time watching it and then she comes down the hallway being thrown about who does who comes around the hallway your mom um my mom (laughs) the next thing we see vera being tossed around and beaten down the hallway by like some unseen force and it was very confusing the first time watching this like is this place haunted because uh what's happening so basically 
Beth starts having some like visions or dreams of the candy truck woman and she hears words being spoken like we broke your sister now it's your turn yeah she sees her like moving around and she's like running away from whatever is hurting Vera and then locks herself in a room she looks through the little keyhole and we see like kind of like a little form of the candy truck woman um but then it like cuts to inside we see her and then the candy truck woman is inside and then beth wakes up again so it's like she had another nightmare but when she wakes up this time like her face is kind of like all mangled up like she's got like a a black like puffy eye and stuff like that and she's in the basement with vera and she thinks that vera is the one that like hit her and stuff yeah she thinks that she's just hitting herself um but beth starts yeah seeing flashbacks of like being in the house for that first night and then she just keeps having nightmares of waking up in this house basically so beth wakes up finally in her true reality and her face is beaten vera's face is very very disfigured and beaten um and she thinks that vera hit beth like hit her and vera talks to beth through like coming back except what happened mom is dead and so basically beth now has to relive all these things because she's forgotten basically of what the true events were yeah so like it's kind of revealed now we're seeing beth and vera as children so beth kind of made up this whole fantasy where she's an adult and successful and as a writer to kind of just not be where she is and you know just kind of like disassociates so vera is like crying and begging for her to come back was young vera trying to like keep her sister with her like she didn't want to be alone she she didn't want to deal with like the abuse by herself so there there is a really cool shot when like the switch happens and Beth's hair is, like, all in her face. And it kind of looks like it could be adult Vera. But then, like, they move her hair to the side and it's back to being the kid. So we're like, oh, shit. Yeah, so this whole time we were bamboozled into Hood-winked. thinking she was fine. Hoodwinked. Led astray. <laughs> Lied to. Yeah. So it's it's a good twist. The, like, oh, like it was just a dream. Yeah. and And I did not see it coming. So I was like, oh. That's not something I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Beth kind of just like breaks eye contact with Vera, looks over to the side, and Vera's like, you were talking to them like they were real. And it's two like paintings, and there's one of a single man who looks a lot like Beth's husband from her dream, and then a little kid dressed up like a clown. So Beth takes what's around her, to kind of apply it to her dreams and and her escape therapy. Yeah. So now that we're back in the past present, there is the real threat that the fat man and Kendra Chuck woman are still in the house. If we're going off of what we know from the newspaper article that the parent is killed and the children are kept in the basement and tortured and that the Kendra Chuck woman and fat man live with them. So we know that they're in the house and Vera is 
very disfigured. So it's obvious that she has gotten more abuse. We don't know exactly how long it's been that Beth was like in her fantasy. So it could have been days, weeks, hours. We we don't even know. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it would be longer than maybe a few days to a week because like as in the next scene the candy truck woman comes down to the basement um vera tells her to hide so she's in a wardrobe the candy truck woman pulls her out takes her upstairs and starts putting doll makeup on her in like a little room that they had set up and as the camera like pans around beth sees her deceased mother with her throat cut in the like through a glass pane or a window or something and like her mother is pale but hasn't decayed or isn't looking gross at this point so i don't know how long bodies take to start decomposing but my assumption is but it was a very easy like oh recognize like that's my mom which yeah is awful and and katrina had made a note like imagine having to like relive that event like every time like she comes back because i would assume by the way that vera was talking to beth that she's probably disassociated more than once but Mm -hmm. this just happens to be the time that we've gotten so and, and that's another thing like it's not like a it doesn't necessarily change the movie if we know that she's disassociated more than once or something like that but there's i feel like the movie just leaves a ton up to the viewer and some of that is totally fine like it's nice to be able to sit and postulate all of these different scenarios and really kind of get into it but there's also a line it's like you've given me nothing so right i don't find any satisfaction of like even being proven right about a theory or something like that you know what i mean well and when i watch a movie i don't watch a movie to work like i do like mystery But I don't want to have to like run circles around theories to understand at the end of this what really happened and why. So a little bit goes a long way, honestly. And they really don't do it. But when Beth sees her mother, we see like one tear fall as like the candy truck woman is like putting her blush on. And so what we've realized is the candy truck woman is getting Beth ready for the fat man. And she's like sets Beth up on like a little mantle along with all these other dolls. Like this room is just chock full of dolls. And something that I felt like is like the candy truck woman, in my opinion, kind of takes on like a quote unquote motherly role in this as like caring for him providing him dolls like making sure he's satiated whatever and it just enforces the whole unhealthy connection and relationship that a lot of mother sons have and even mother parents have to where they support their sons through even the most atrocious acts as a real life example, like Gabby Petito, and even more recently, there was another incident where um, another girl was murdered, and the parents knew about it and were helping the son like cover it up. There's definitely a conversation to be had here once we yeah. So that is something that we will talk about a little bit because I could ramble. I'm trying not to. <laughs> yeah, we're we're according to our summary notes, we are almost done talking about like the movie scene so i think we're doing great we're doing such a good job so beth is in this room with all these dolls 
and the fat man comes in. He's limping because earlier Be- uh, Vera had mentioned that she like stabbed him in the leg and it only made it worse for her. So Vera has warned her, don't cry, don't make noise, don't move because it'll only make him angry and it'll only be worse for you and your punishment. So he starts assaulting the other dolls, like sniffing, touching the whole nine yards. And one of them makes a noise and it pisses him off. And then when he takes Beth, she's snuck like a little hairpin and she stabs him in like the shoulder and tries to run. And in my head, I'm screaming, the jugular. Like, okay. Because she had, I, I get she was in somewhat of a compromising position. Like she's 13 or whatever. She's in a high stress situation, but I'm like, you got to go for the eye or the jugular now. Life or death. Well, you're correct about all of those points to consider (laughs) for context clues. My favorite thing. But I think that the way they did it, because like when Fat Man like picks up the dolls and stuff, he like lays them over his lap. So like it is a, a very awkward position and this guy is huge. So it's like, I don't know with the way that Beth was moving if she would have gotten any further. I think that she maybe should have tried to like double tap, but I mean, she at least got the guy off of her and then like fat man like throws her, she falls on the floor and she kind of freezes. But like when he gets up and moves all of these other dolls like move. And I don't want to say like they come to life because there, there was the mantle that Beth and the other dolls were on that fat man like picks from but then on the opposite side of the room there's just another bunch of dolls sitting there and they're all making noises and they're saying things like you're ugly we hate you and it's weird it's dreamy in the sense that like like there are dolls that talk but uh, these dolls are not meant to say these words but it's also a weird thing because we can hear what the dolls are saying so it kind of takes us out a little bit of what the present really is but whatever that's just another thing from the movie. Yeah. Beth um, hits Fat Man with her typewriter that is still like in the upstairs room and tries to go to the door to the stairs, but it's locked. And then Candy Truck Woman is like, has a sledgehammer like beating down the door. And in the time between when Beth is like trying to get out and the time Candy Truck Woman can get in the door, Beth throws her typewriter through the window to make it look like maybe she jumped. So Candy Truck Woman goes outside to look for her. And then Beth goes downstairs to get Vera. And then they end up being able to escape. Yeah, which she did a great job right here. So I was like, I know Rachel's always a fan of the double back. So Uh, I think Rachel would be proud. I saw that note. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's 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 kind of a convoluted scene between like her, like she does like hide in like that closet with the doll for like a second, and the doll starts making noise. Um, mm-hmm. But she ends up, you know, being able to get out. But I like, yes, that is my gosh. I hope that somebody who doesn't want to kill me or, or somebody who does want to kill me is not listening to this podcast because they'll know all of my exit strategies so they can mm-hmm. like get me. Um, well, if it's if it's ever a stalker, you'll know that they listen to the podcast and then you won't do the double back and they'll assume that you do, but then you know that they think that you won't, so you will. I confused myself. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> well, well I- <laughs> And, and here's here's the thing about anxiety, you guys, is every situation happens at the same time. <laughs> it's because 
because they think that I won't, which means I will do it, but then they think, but they know that I'll think that I won't, so I'll do it. So then I actually won't do it at the same time. And literally like the princess bride with the poison. <laughs> the princess bride? The princess bride? Princess bride? What are you talking about? Oh, I- it's the Iocane powder. Yes. It's like, you must have known that I am yes. not a great fool. I honestly, I heard poison and I immediately went to Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> the poison for Cusco. The Cusco's poison. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, he's talking a lot, but I don't, I don't get what the same thing is. I I came around. I got there. Yeah, we got there for a second. It took us a second, but we got there. (laughs) See, this is what happens, you guys. Katrina wins her bet. We were going to ramble. We're so So close close. to the end of this fucking movie, but we just can't shut up. But we can always cut it out. Um, (laughs) I won't. They'll they'll never know. Um, Kayla said um, from the sleepaway camp episode that she could tell that I edited it because of like the random shit i just like left in there and i'm like <laughs> i thought it was funny <laughs> and i mean it is everything i say is funny but i guess i have a, a signature you have a creative signature we all do and i am just anal about things so i'm gonna edit katrina loves anal <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> these two girls it seems like they're running such a long time because it literally goes from night to day during yeah, the scene like, of them running through the woods and the pastures and running a long time for somebody who's been abused and locked up and malnourished like this is exhausting during like the next morning it seems like they're in a pasture next and they finally see a highway and just lo and behold the rider decided let's have a cop car pass them these two girls are very lucky in the sense of they're also very very unlucky the cop stop and and it is it looks like it's the same road that they were driving in from the very beginning and i'll say we didn't mention this in the beginning and i was like i don't even know what to say so in the very beginning shot like it's the road and like a little pasture and then we see like this what looks like a little Amish kid like running out of like a little field like toward the road onto the street right after um Beth Vera and their mom have like just like passed that little section and it looks very much like a children of the corn reference but literally Jebediah right out of it like Malachi I was just pulling out a name I don't know their name well no because I've seen this movie like one time and I was watching it with one of my friends and it's just really funny for anybody who knows like the story of children of the corn like it's not important to this or whatever but like this kid looks exactly like this kid and (laughs) as soon as I saw it happen there's just a line from children of the corn where like the like older like bully like um not like a lackey but you know like the enforcer kind Mm -hmm. of a kid like he just like screams at like the other people he's like outlander (laughs) I mean, I do use that phrase kind of more often than I should. And just seeing that, like that little kid, I was like, and (laughs) and this is the point, like this had absolutely nothing to do with the movie. We don't know who this kid is, where he came from. If we're supposed to assume that maybe he was a victim that got away, like there's, there's nothing there. Like it, it would be a benefit of the doubt to assume that maybe it was a victim, but it wouldn't have been in the same area. Right. So I don't know what that was. So there's a a man and a woman cop that show up and the girls are very afraid of the man and he very like kindly gets away from them and just goes to like 
call this in and the female cop is trying to talk to them see what their story is who did this and beth goes it was an ogre and a witch and then vera said it was um vera refers to them as two men so at this point we get like even vera is unsure of if this is you know if the candy truck woman is supposed to be a woman or a man maybe vera is just like this is what i got um so as the girls are being saved out of the woods comes the candy truck woman and she shoots both of the cops and drags the girls back into the candy truck and brings them right back to the house well but and also here's the thing so when the male cop was on the radio calling in what was happening you know he he says something like like the girls say that they were at aunt clarice's house which is like another version of like the pronoun game but they figure it out basically that they know like the area because the gas station attendant like said something i don't know what her like in is with the cops to have that description come across but it ends up being correct and it was in the plot so whatever and we see while the cop is on the radio headlights coming from the other side that look like they're on a truck and the cop like waves them forward and it ends up just being like some truck on the road mm-hmm. and the candy truck woman comes from where the girls were behind the woods walking toward the road to kill both the cops but then the girls are in the truck with her so right. where was the truck we've never seen fat man drive the truck because i don't even think that no he was, he was in back the at truck. the truck no he so, was at the house when they arrived because he was like doing he was doing something because like, he got injured and when they arrived he was in the house already yeah so where did where was the truck she wonder woman did i don't know it was in the script so that's what happened but it's it's very deflating because the girls get like recaptured and beth kind of immediately like later days boy i'm out and vera is begging for beth like not to disassociate again but beth is like la 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 going to my fantasy world now goodbye which is me like every day of my life so i mean i get it and then we flash forward to adult beth who is now like either i mean she is the guest of honor but i think she's also hosting a party yeah it seems like it so um for like another book release like she's being celebrated and as she's walking around now because we know that beth like disassociates and pulls inspiration we see like the guests that we like see close up are all people we've seen before so like the cops are there as guests the gas station attendant is there as a guest And then we also see her mom. So like we know for sure, for sure, we're back like in a dream. So Beth is at her party. She sits down and then some tall gangly man sits next to her complimenting her storytelling and, you know, don't change one word and ends up to be her idol, which is H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Yeah. And then Beth sees younger Vera, like in a nightgown, all beaten running through her party away and she starts to get up and like follow her and the mother stops her and says there's nothing for her over there like with her sister and we see vera on the other side of a door that has like a like a frosted glass pane banging on it like screaming for vera to come back come help her but the mom still says no stay here stay with me And Beth says, that's my sister, and runs towards the real world. And I 
think that this is the scene. Um, some people have speculated it was a different scene. But in my opinion, it's this one where young Vera, the actress Taylor Hickson, um, they were telling her, you know, bang the glass harder, harder to try and get the shot. Um, but the production used real glass instead of prop safety glass. And it broke. And when she fell through, it cut her face and she had to go get 70 stitches, I think, in total. Um, she ended up suing at one point but dropped it uh because she would she was able to find like work after a while but for me it just kind of proves that like they were careless because i mean it's also the younger actress so like i don't i don't know how old she was when she was starring in this movie but she was 19 yeah to be 19 and have to suffer like a facial disfigurement from like your job which your whole job is your face and your acting that's awful yeah i i saw something that, like she didn't even go to the premiere or anything because she was in like like recovery or like a physical therapy or something for yeah. it like i i didn't look like too far into everything but like i saw the same thing and like it was not good and it's also like it's so sad well that was so her- avoidable absolutely like they were just cutting corners being cheap probably and just being careless and i think the cover photo for this movie is i think it's beth with like the doll makeup but it's like a cracked doll's face and part of me is like, you didn't have to crack the face because that's what happened to young Vera. And I'm like, I'm like rude, first of all, because who I don't know if she got a settlement out of it. They never really talked about it. I think they probably did it behind the public eye or something. I don't you never know. It's really sad. Um, this girl. I mean, not not only to mention like the material to have to like act through. Right. Like this is gruesome to have to. And then like to <laughs> literally be like cut open. Like, yeah, that sucks. Uh, honestly, this movie was not worth it for her, and I'm I feel bad. I'm sorry for Taylor. So when Beth is pulled back into reality, it's when she's actually being pulled out of the mirror with the it's the mirror with the doll, right? Uh huh. So Beth snaps back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity, and is pulled out of the doll mirror with like the cuckoo clock doll. Rachel's very disappointed in me right now. <laughs> actually, I thought it was pretty good because it was so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I could hold it in. Um, so the fat man starts choking her while the candy truck woman watches. And then Vera is also in the other room. I think the candy truck woman eventually attacks her. Like they're both being attacked at this point. And the fat man is shot by a cop who comes in to save them. And then the candy truck woman gets up, but then tries to attack the cop and is also shot to death. Um, the last scene is... Vera and Beth are on stretchers being loaded up into am- like separate ambulances. And for me, I'd be like, no, we're going in the same one. You're not separating me from, from my sister after this like turn of events. I know. I think that that's kind of like something like I, I think like you can only kind of fit one in there and like they're both patients, but no, it was I'd, weird. I'd be like, no, if I can, I'll make it happen. Like, <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah. And we get like uh, this moment of like niceness because like while the girls are being loaded on the stretchers, they like look over at each other and they're like, I love you. So like. Mm-hmm. They see uh, Beth sees their mother in the window, you know, um, and they also see a like a body bag being loaded up into like a coroner's van. And the paramedic, you know, tells Beth that she's very brave and asks her, "Do you play sports? Because you must be strong." And Beth says, "I like to write stories." And then that's it, ends. it. Yeah, there's. <sighs> 
one, good job for us for kind of like being done with that part. Yay. But like there, there's, there's so much. So like, just to like talk about the very end, it's like, so when Beth like snaps back to reality as a kid again, and she's being pulled out of the mirror, it's like, okay, well, did she go into the mirror before she would have escaped and then like was disassociating at that point? But the cops did show up. So it was like, they must have like actually physically escaped her and Vera because mm-hmm. like they're both physically in different areas. And and it's just one of those things that's like, like I'm fine if you want to play with like the time space continuum, but like whatever rules you're making stick with them. It's yeah, not that I- I'm dumb and I can't figure it out. It's like, no, you're just changing your rules. Well, and I think there are some people that speculate that the ending is her disassociating again and they didn't actually get away because you know whenever they're being attacked by the the fat man and the candy truck woman like the police never showed up they're still in the basement things like that and i'm like yeah but in all her disassociation she was older true see and safe older and safe so i'm gonna go with it. it it was real that's my opinion yeah um i will compliment i like the point of like the mom in the dreams i'll call them dreams like they're not dreams but like whatever um of being kind of like nonchalant and like telling beth like don't worry about it like there's nothing you can do like stay with me because like it is safe there and there i mean really like in traumatic situations like there are like pieces of your brain that like can break so i like that being like a physical representation of like this is safe stay here because I mean, I can't imagine if that kind of stuff was happening to me. And we all like to say, like, well, I would have done this and I would have done this. Like, maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. Shut up. Yeah. So hope you never find out. Exactly. So I, I like that having like the physical manifestation of like the tether that keeps her to this dream world because we saw in the beginning that her and her Beth and her mom did have a close relationship and her mother was very supportive. Yeah. So and while think- while it is very like off kilter and unsettling and a little creepy and we're like what the hell are you doing like of course it would have to be that way yeah and i don't think it's out of the mother's characteristics to coddle beth and you know like oh no you're fine you're okay so it it made sense for it to be the mother and you know vera never disassociated is that because she's more tethered to reality and is less creative and didn't have that bond with her mother i don't know it's a good good point to bring up yeah because so. imagine like after this you know vera has to remember everything whereas beth only has like little images here and there so like yeah and i mean and trauma does affect everyone differently so i mean even just having both options displayed is kind of nice i saw several things and like read reviews and stuff like that and it's very polarizing the idea that this movie is just so misogynistic and i would love to hear what your thoughts are on that i i have a hard time like picking 100 one side and that just goes with like a lot of things but like i do think that it really portrays you know violence against women and the objectification of women like not seeing them as like full human beings um i think that's very heavy in this and i think the lack of backstories to any of the characters um is what makes it a little bit harder to swallow 
So like if we knew Beth and Vera a little bit more, or even if we had this from like the villain's point of view, I think it would have been a little bit easier and maybe people would have seen it as less misogynistic. I doubt it. But I do think that it leans towards being more misogynistic than not. Yeah, I saw some stuff um, relating. So the director, I guess he did another movie called Martyrs. I don't know anything about it. I didn't even look it up, but I just kept hearing people talk about it. I've seen it. Oh, you have? Yeah. So they were talking about how that was like a better movie, but a lot of it still has like the same theming of women on screen being abused. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, the way you say that. It's uh, Martyrs is actually it. I mean, it's pretty gross in my, if well, and the justification for the, like they at least explain why they're justifying the violence against women as you know religious i guess reasons at the end i mean no spoilers i guess but it's tough at the end yeah i mean i don't i don't know anything about it and and my thoughts are kind of along with you like i can't pick like a hundred percent one way or the other like on paper yes Mm -hmm. technically it would be misogynistic since women are the targets and are being abused i there was one YouTuber I saw, I should, um, I should have remembered his name. I just looked at so much that it was like, you know, well, where is the line really between what is depicted in like art and movies and stuff like that versus like glorification and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Because like, yes, there are similar instances like this that happen. And it's kind of along the same lines, like scream. It's like, you know, movies don't create psychos. Movies make the psychos more creative. Where, like, there there probably are people who watch violent movies and are thrilled and excited to see violence happen against women. But, like, my chosen genres of a lot of things, horror, like, dark romance books and things like that, like, I I don't know, maybe it's my trauma. I'm like, yeah, like, I would choose to consume this media versus, like, fluffier things. Like, I, I don't think that anything is so black and white that way so i don't have a reference to pull from from martyrs but you do so i mean would you qualify the director as like yucky because these are the movies that he's making i wouldn't say that he's yucky because of the and i know some other people reference tall man but i haven't seen that either oh i have oh we'll see People, look at us. Look, we're, you put us together. We got a whole slew of information. Yeah, but I saw I, people didn't like the tall man. I mean, I thought it was like fine. I, that has more to do with like children being abused. I don't remember like all of it, but like that was like the focus of like mm-hmm. kids getting like kidnapped and stuff like that by like yeah. the tall man. Well, and there is abuse against children in martyrs, but mainly like women um so yeah and really the plot of the story i didn't think it was that great it seemed unrealistic but i mean that it's a movie you know so it's a movie yeah well and that's what i was saying like in the beginning it's like i feel like like the bones are there but there's not much like to go off of like i think maybe there are more creative ways to hint at you know the i mean because they never just like flat out showed the like worst parts of this movie they heavily hinted and you know talked about it but i think that there are probably more creative ways that aren't i don't know i'm not a writer i don't know to go back to a point like i I mentioned kind of while we were 
recapping everything is how like the fat man is like this big scary dude that like mostly just like grunts and then candy trunk woman is like a man kind of a thing like I want to lean into like the themes of them like being like freaks so we hardly get to see their faces like full on at all um but then like fat man like like he's huge I mean he like he's enormous we look at him his face is a little disfigured he's kind of got like a cleft lip mm-hmm. like the whole thing like between like the two of them kind of reads like like circus like rejects to me kind of a thing that like how you mentioned that candy truck woman kind of takes care of fat man like her kid it's kind of like a found family thing and this is all me projecting because the movie didn't give me anything to go off of and when we had candy truck woman like in the beginning when beth is like creeping up the stairs and talking about how they just want to play with dolls like fat man is only ever referred to as a they so yeah and i think their versions of playing with dolls is she dresses them up he plays with them as he does and i think the fat man never speaks you know he grunts so he is more likely you know mentally disabled and that just the only real backstory on him is when the dolls are all making the noises and he starts hearing insults like you're a pig you're a piece of shit you're a liar you're like stupid and so we can assume you know he was bullied but that's really the only assumption we could make about his past and i don't even know if there's a an assumption we can make about the candy truck woman's past either not really i mean it's a man dressed as a woman and taking on like that controlling role like the candy truck woman always drives and is the one like preparing the you know sacrifice so to speak or whatever so like to be like very very baseline observant i guess it's like you know those are still like traditionally men's roles to like i mean drive and shit i mean and maybe i'm just saying that because i hate driving i really saw it as more of like a mother child role than like or maybe even just parent child i mean yeah kind of role. yes absolutely but then like still like acting like like the movie itself gives us no reason or logic to have i don't think that they're related by any means no i don't know i don't think that they are i think that they're just like a found family kind of a Mm -hmm. thing but the movie hasn't given me anything to go off of so like i'm just pulling things out of a hat making all these assumptions and if it was in my opinion if it was a true trans representation where it wasn't part of the story or the point that it was so obviously a man dressing as a woman like it wasn't a buffalo bill situation where we at least got some insight that like he wanted to dress up like a woman and act feminine um or in the new barbie movie there is a trans actress playing a barbie but just playing a barbie like like it's not mentioned or brought up but it doesn't have any relevance to the plot it's just another barbie Right. Versus this movie where feels like it's pointed that like 
that it's supposed to be odd and unsettling that it's a man dressing up as a woman because the fat man right. is also an outcast too. So it's it's like, why go this route? Like, I, I can see, like, definitely both of them, like, I guess, I mean, I don't want to call them good villains, but, like, they're good at being, like, scary and creepy. Yeah, and gross. And I think if, you know, in movies, maybe they're getting better at this. I don't think so, but... If you have a character who is trans, then you should probably have a trans person playing that character. Whereas where we see in the credits, like, it's a man actor who's bald. You know, the wig falls off in the end and reveals that they have no hair. Um, And there's really no other feminine qualities other than, like, the way that they dress and that they want to do makeup on dolls. Yeah, exactly. And they so, have a wig. Yes. And, like, I'm all for representation that the thing that makes somebody an other isn't the plot point. Like, and that mm-hmm. goes for trans people. Like, Barbie's a perfect representation of that. Like, it was a person who was trans who was just a character. Like, it like it doesn't need to be addressed because it doesn't matter. And the right. same thing... Like, about gay stories, like, bros was really great for that because, like, like there was, like, a coming out thing and uh, yeah. there were, like, complications, but, like, the whole point, like, it wasn't like Love, Simon, where, like, the whole point is that this person is on a coming out journey. So, like, it's nice to see representation that doesn't just deal with whatever the other factor is. It's just yeah. a thing. Versus this movie where it's like, why? Like, why did they have to be? What was the point? You gave me nothing to go off of because it was obvious that there was something there. Yeah, and I think that it's it's something that can be dangerous because people like to villainize trans people and make them out to be scary people or men who dress up like women just to get into kids, like women's bathrooms. I'm like, in, if that's the case, you're scared of men. You're worried about men. Not trans people. Yes. (laughs) Well, truly. And and to even compare, like, what how we mentioned and, like, used Sleepaway Camp in our Pride Month, it wasn't the fact that Angela was trans, because Angela wasn't trans. She was traumatized. Yeah, exactly. And And we we got that backstory. And it was, like, a weird moment like that was like unsettling and off kilter because of aunt martha but like they at least gave you like some kind of overhaul and logic to it this is just like uh, it's it's unacceptable and it's unforgivable and i'm not saying that they can make movies about it's hard it's there is so much gray because people can be represented period and just be represented without explanation but i think if you're going to go these directions in a movie that already doesn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. then I, then this is what i'm gonna focus on yeah and i think if you're going to have something that's i don't know like a sen- something that's more of like a sensitive subject then you need to do it with care. And I don't think that this was done with care. I don't think he probably ever spoke to a trans person about this or even 
a drag queen or anybody who is a man that became a woman or a man who performs drag. This is not a drag or a trans person. This is just a villain. A man they put a yeah, a villain that they wanted to make mysterious, I guess. And yeah. make maybe it's the mystery of like who is this candy truck woman that was appealing, but it didn't it didn't work. To to kind of go off of that a little bit, like and and to bring up like the backstory and everything. So, I mean, if you listen to this podcast at all, like I love the movie, the black phone and Katrina didn't connect that much with it. And her one, well, one of the issues that you had with it was that we didn't get a lot of backstory to the grabber. And in my defense of that, and I went over this on the episode, it's that while the movie, even though it has the grabber in it and he is like a big bad, the movie is about Finney and his, the people who are on Finney's side, like seeing things through that lens versus so, uh, so I, so for the black phone, I feel like it's excusable and you can just be fine because at the point where Finney is captured and we're living with him as a prisoner, it doesn't matter what the grabber's backstory is because it's very in the moment incident in a ghost land is playing with this back and forth thing. And like, it, I mean, yeah, in the same Avenue, like there were newspaper things and like, we know that like there are killers about and like in black phone, like the boys had been kidnapped and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like for both of them, they have that same thing going. Like we know that the family killers are out there, but like there is little interaction. Like it, uh, it really does just seem that this was Pascal Laugier, whatever his name is. I don't even care like just created something to have like abuse shown out and it's fine like I think you can talk about trauma and I think you can talk about ways to cope with it and how people do but it's like if you're gonna make these villains like why do these villains have to be like these villains to have anything happen if not to be just sensational give us a reason as to why they are literally the simplest thing like all we know about the grabber is he likes to kidnap boys he likes to like play games with them like naughty boy and stuff right Like, there is something, and we still are kind of getting, like, feelings. Like, the grabber... (laughs) The grabber makes me feel things. (laughs) The end. But the these two, it's like, okay, like, you're just circus freaks, like, getting your jollies by creating abuse that I will go out on a limb and assume you will deliver abuse because you were abused fine right but like the movie should tell me that i shouldn't have to work this hard for every single one of their plot points a five minute flashback would have been suffice literally anything yeah i never saw the candy truck woman talk to like have a conversation with the fat man so like their relationship is so obscure and i have no idea even what the relationship is because like the one time that he got hurt she she was like, ugh, and, like, goes upstairs to, like, check on him. But, like, they don't interact. Well, really. I, They don't have conversation, really. They don't have any conversation. But, like, at the very end, like, when the cop comes in and kills the fat man, the candy truck woman is, like, very upset. Yeah, but that's it. But that's, but, the but only that's emotional it. connection we see between them. Yeah, so, like, they, they're just buddies who are killing people. We don't, we don't know anything. And that's what's so frustrating. And I saw... 
every single video I watched today, like about people who are watching this or whatever, they were like, this is so good. Like, I definitely recommend it. And I'm like, and, and like I said, every single one of them that I watched was men. So it is completely a different experience. And that's why we made this podcast in the first place. But like, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't see yeah. it. I don't like, I don't relate to it. I don't get it. I didn't enjoy it. And there's a difference between like things being unpleasant, like the black phone with, you know, Finney going through all of that, like abuse. It's not funny. I don't enjoy it, but like it pays off and it's good and it's emotional and it's impactful versus this. I was just like, okay, more fighting. He's burning mm -hmm. dolls to create dread that he's going to assault this girl. Okay. It's like not yucky enough to be torture porn, but it's not good enough to warrant the violence we see. Yeah. Like the the storyline and the plot, it's, you know, there's really no meaningful conversations anywhere. Like it's very surface level. It doesn't go deep enough emotionally or within the characters for it to be like oh my god that's happening to bad you know you're just like okay that's best well yeah and, and it's like oh my god that's gross one oh my of god, the that's reasons horrible. one of the reasons we could summarize this the way that we did is because like yeah like there's stuff going on where beth is back at the house adult beth and she like sees sees these things that seem like out of place and weird and like, she sees, like, these visions and blah, blah, blah. But, like, we can skip through it because, like, who cares? Like, all it does is just it's going to relate you back to the fact that she's just pulling inspiration for her fantasy. And that's fine. But just, like, let's get a move on or add something else. And, like, in my opinion, like, the twist of it being a dream is revealed too early. Like, they could have played with it a little bit longer because we still have almost half the movie after the twist is revealed where they're just being abused escaping and then getting pulled back so it's like yeah that time we went through it could have like formulaically if that's a word dramaturgically <laughs> been more impactful like even if they just followed like your basic like 90 minute movie like horror tropes time wise and like your all your beats it would have paid off better. But, and I know that like the director's French and there's like this new like French verite, like extremism where you're just like showing all of these horrible, awful things that people go through. Like, absolutely. Like, I guess like there's a quality, but like, I don't like it. Yeah. And that's okay. We don't have to. We don't have to. And I don't. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? Overall, would you recommend this to somebody to watch? No. No. I don't. I think would say if I knew the person liked certain like twists or whatever, but this is not on the top of my list to recommend. Um, I kind of felt, you know, I kind of felt bad when I was watching it with Marissa, like knowing how I kind of felt about it, and I felt like the exact same. Like when I was with you watching it, I had all these questions, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And you were just sitting there in yeah. silence, and I had to do the same thing. So sorry, Marissa. But before the twist was revealed, and she was just at the house, she was saying stuff. She's like. The house looks the exact same. The mom looks the same. The mom doesn't care. Um, there was a point mentioned um, towards the beginning when Beth got back to the house that she was sending her mom money to mm -hmm. try and like help with Vera getting care. 
And the mom said that she was like selling some of the antiques that were in the house. So she's got money now to be able to renovate. So like it kind of like answers the questions a little bit to give you some like suspension of reality where like it is a dream, but like, haha, we're playing it off. Like it's not a dream. I think they could have put a lot more things in there to be more confusing even, you know, like give us a little flash of, oh shit, I'm actually in the basement then like, but in her nightmares, it was very confusing as to when she was having a nightmare. She was in her fake reality or like, yeah, it was confusing, but it not in the best way possible. I almost so. wish it would have been like more confusing. Yeah. So then like things could have been answered. It was just so made that like we didn't get anything from it. Like I was just waiting and then I would focus on like this one thing, but then like that's the question that doesn't get answered or something. So it's like they just built up things to like create tension, but then went nowhere with it. Yeah. Like, like how if- many times did Vera have to have like an episode or something to right. to signify that there was shit going on? Maybe like, as a short, it would have been very impactful. But, it, and even for, like, 90, I'm a huge fan of a 90-minute movie. Get me in, let's go, I'm done. Like, you don't, we don't have to do, like, these two and a half hour, like, long drags of movies mm-hmm. just to, like, build things. Like, that's not my taste. But for being a 90-minute movie, do something with it. Like, why did I sit here this long? It felt like two hours. Yeah, and even if he had, like, oh, this is something unbelievable happened like vera handcuffed herself to the bed and locked the door somehow like and then give us some time to kind of forget about it and like let something crazier happen give us some time to forget about it and then like ebb and flow and like give us some highs give us some lows but if it it started out real violent yeah the the beginning scene was really good because you're like you're scared you're like what is going on they they set up the family dynamic in the beginning really well that there you know there's tension between the sisters how vera feels about how her mom treats beth versus her and then the fact that like they're gonna start somewhere new and then there's the attack like and which don't have your best scene of the movie at the very beginning because then we're just let down the rest of the 70 minutes that's left over yeah very true so i mean those are my thoughts yeah i i mean this is gonna be really fun to edit because it's like it, it's just an hour and a half of me being like i hate it i hate it i hate it um which is just like a normal day of my life honestly <laughs> um but yeah I, I i think the points were good to talk about the movie is not um it really sucks because crystal reed the the gal who played older beth she's in teen wolf and that was a very pivotal show for me in my youth so that could have been cool, but it wasn't, and I'm sorry for her. Do we know our next movie? Um, It's going to be my birthday, so I get to pick, is all you said. Okay, because I was going to say, we could hint at it if you wanted. Um, um, so I mean, I don't know. It's September, so we could do... It's going to be fall. I mean, we could do yes, since the newest one just came out, but I don't know if you love that movie too much. <laughs> i i do love it too much i was just thinking i was like well it's gonna be my favorite so do i want to do insidious or the conjuring and they both have patrick wilson being very hot so what do i choose <laughs> what do i choose but it is my I mean, birthday so i get whatever i want there you go so that's the hint is um i get to pick so you're all in big trouble um 
on our next episode, give yourself three hours to listen. That's this is your formal warning. We may have to split it. Thanks for listening. Um, sorry for the subject matter, but you know, that's what makes podcasting real work is when you don't like it. I like podcasting with you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. I guess that's it. I guess I like I guess I like podcasting with you too. I don't want your pity. I listen. Okay, I will give you this. I don't think I would see myself doing a podcast with anybody else. So you would be the only person that I could feasibly say yes to this to. This is in a recording. I love that. Ah, oh, it's already gone to her head. I went too far. Okay. <laughs> well, that's we, it. We good? We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our episode and we look forward to hearing from you. Find us on Twitter or Instagram to request a movie or even just to discuss your thoughts at booze and boobs or send us an email boozeandboobs at gmail.com. Yeah, and we're working on turning this into a thing. So if you can please follow us on Patreon, our account there is booze and boobs also. And what are some of the benefits to joining our Patreon? Oh, Katrina, I am so glad that you asked. As a patron, you will get early release episodes, bloopers, uh, mini episodes where we showcase uh, scenes from the movies that we're talking about or just conversations that we're having that we had to cut from our recording. All that and more. And they're fun tiers. You can be an A cup, a C cup, or you can join the Triple D Plus group like us. We truly appreciate your support and we look forward to growing our following to create more content for listeners like you. So we'll see you next time or else. Yeah, let's end it with a threat.